0: All right, James 1. We have uh, been in James now for three weeks, and what we love about this book, and I think this is going to increase for us as we continue through it, is how practical it is to the real issues of life. It's the truth we need to know when we're experiencing real life. First two weeks, the truth we need to know when we are experiencing hardship. And the wisdom often we need when we are experiencing hardship hardship. Now, uh, this week, we turn to the truth we need to know when we are tempted. I don't need to convince you that that is practical and real in your life, correct? All right, so you all know you're tempted today, multiple times, right? In fact, temptation is so much a reality of our life. If I have any concern about our time together this morning is that it's going to be like yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. So, here's how I want to frame it before we jump into the scriptures with this question. When you and I are tempted, what is at stake? What's really at stake when we're tempted? Is, this is what James is going to tell us at stake that I think is going to cause the uh, intentionality of how you listen this morning to increase significantly. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth So what's at stake? What's at stake is death when we're tempted. Now, let me clarify. I think many of you would be going, yeah, I know. Uh, The Bible says the wages of sin is death, Uh, separation from God, because he is holy. And when we fail to uh, live in holiness, that sin and sin separates, the wages is death. But... You may go, yep, yeah, but Doug, I know the rest of the verse. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So our sin does separate us from God, but through faith in Christ, we can be reconciled, made one with him again. So question, if you are reconciled to God, does sin still bring forth death in your life? Oh, yeah, so uh, by your look, either you're like, I feel like, I, I don't know. This is truth we need to know when. <laughs> Absolutely, friends. It doesn't bring, watch, uh, because I'm in Christ doesn't mean sin separates me from God again. Once I am in Christ, I'm sealed by the Spirit. I am forever his and he is mine. But sin still brings death Not an eternal death, but if I am seeking to now as a child of God walk in the spirit and then I'm tempted and I sin. There's a form of death now that I am no longer walking in the spirit. It brings death, if you will, to that intimate communion with the Lord. That's too vague for you. Anybody who's married in here knows when you've been tempted and you've sinned against your spouse, it didn't necessarily immediately learn to divorce, but there was a form of death in that relationship for an hour or three days. Correct? Correct? It was like, woo, all the communication died. All the feelings died. All the intimacy died. Now, there was resurrection but it brings forth death. So, sometimes we listen to stuff the way we listen to the uh, flight attendant. You know what I'm talking about. You've heard it, except you've never really listened. And it's not because you've heard it before. Why are you not really listening? because you don't think the plane's gone down. If you did, you'd be like, whoa, could you go over that part again? Really? You'd be like, I am all ears. But because you don't think the plane's gone down, you're not really listening. And that's where I'm, I don't think most of us see temptation as death is at stake here. And so, you know, I listen to you like, You listen to the flight attendant. The plane's going to go down. In some form, anytime you and I are tempted, and when we give in, and maybe because we've given in so much, we've lost the sense of how death is really impacting us. But anytime we're tempted and sin is accomplished, There's loss. So let's listen up. How about that? Let's engage with this text with an intensity that says, I'm tired of dying. I'm tired of sin bringing ruin to my life, to my relationships. How? Because for many of you, this is not hard for you to understand you know especially there's a particular sin in your life, a particular temptation that just is a well-worn path of victory and therefore defeat and death in your own heart. So, Lord, this is what I want us to pray. Lord, you're allowed to pray with your eyes open. Lord, this morning, Teach me a path to victory. Because I'm tired of losing and dying. So, where does this temptation? That's where it begins. It begins with temptation. Where's it in? Death. Where does it come from? What's the source? Let no one say, verse 13, this is where the passage starts, let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God for, and here's the reason, God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. So out of the gate, James says, the truth you need to know when you're being tempted is this is not from God. God is not tempting you. And I I think that's easy for us to see in the text. Sometimes it's harder to know. okay, why is it that temptation can never, not not just most times, it can never come from God. And here's the reason. Because temptation is a lie. I'll unpack that. But it's a lie. Temptation is a lie. And why can't God tempt you then? because he can't lie. God can't lie. And if he can't lie, he can't tempt you. So, it's not from God, because he can't lie. And all temptation is a lie. So where's it come from? Well, it's easy. Who lies? <laughs> World lies. World promises stuff it does not deliver. More personally, who else lies? (laughs) We lie. See, we can't, and this text will reveal, we can't really just, hey, I just couldn't help myself. No, you were right at the heart of believing the lie you told yourself. The world lies, we lie, and Satan is, of course, the father of lies. So ultimately, it all comes from the father of lies, but we lie ourselves. The world lies. So multiple sources, but here's the value of what this text does. Here's what I don't want you to miss. That there is a predictable predictable path for all of our temptation. In other words, as this unfolds, I think you're going to go, huh, I should see this coming more clearly than I do. Because, the the path of temptation though it may come from different sources it's a very similar predictable process that the scripture says here's what happens here's how it begins here's what happens next here's what happens next and then where do you end up death what's the predictable path Each one is tempted, first, when he is carried away and enticed by his own desire. Second, then when lust has conceived, it gives third, birth to sin. And fourth, sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So, predictable path. Temptation begins with the enticement of desire. it's an enticement for my desire the enticement does what it, it, it's like a, a extreme it's like a current that it gets in it and it and then you're carried away it starts with the enticement of desire now that can happen in two ways let me give them to you and then I'll explain it can be an enticement to engage a sinful desire To be carried away with that sinful desire, or it can be an enticement to a legitimate desire, in other words, a God given desire, but it's an enticement to take it beyond God's intent. Now, that's two buckets, if you will, of where temptation begins. It's with my desire, either a sinful desire, like to steal or to cheat, or to lie. Or, sometimes the enticement is not a bad action, it's a good action for a selfish reason. It's an enticement to give in a manner that will give you applause, that will give you recognition, will bring you honor. Ah, So that's a, uh, it's not just a sinful action, it's engage a sinful desire with a bad action or a good action with a selfish, ungodly motive. Or to take a legitimate desire for food, take it beyond God's intent and it's called gluttony. Or for drink, take it beyond God's desire and it's called drunkenness. Or for sex and take it outside of marriage, it's called immorality. See, it's, it's always an enticement. In our day, we all know pornography is just one of the hugest and largest temptations of our day. What is it? It's an enticement of a God given desire to be expressed outside of God's intent. It's a perversion. And it's a huge enticement of desire that, to get carried away. So it starts with desire is enticed. Now, you've got to be super clear with me right now. Okay? Out of your eyes. Is it a sin to be enticed by desire? Now that's temptate that's where temptation begins and Jesus was tempted and was without sin so don't get lost here understand temptation is not sin but temptation that enticement is the beginning it's where temptation starts down this path it's the first step then when lust has conceived it gives birth, to sin. Modern technology allows us to really understand this text, quite frankly. Two two actions, conception and then birth. So I, I told you two weeks ago that we were blessed with our 12th grandchild. This is Adelaide. At conception, this is Adelaide at birth. Now, Am I suggesting my granddaughter is a picture of sin? No <laughs> Yes. Yours are, too. so. Conception. Birth see what we can tell now is so clearly with technology, where'd life begin? Yeah, Life here, I mean, now literally you you can put the jelly on the belly and uh, watch the video and see them like sucking their thumb. The first time Jackie had pregnant with our oldest son, Clayton, I watched that life roll across her belly. I was like, whoa, it's alive! But we often think, ah, uh, life begins at, at birth. Because now we can actually, that's when we can actually see it. It's visible. And what this text is saying When desire is enticed, then what happens? Conception. And conception is saying what? It's begun. Sin has begun. It was not a sin to be tempted, but where there is conception, sin begins simply saying before it's it's visible. And it's it's begun because all temptation is a a lie, and it began when my heart and my mind took the bait. I'll explain in a moment. Took the bait, and they agreed with the lie. See that it, it all starts here in my mind and my heart. And the scriptures use them interchangeably. That desire is in the heart and the mind, and it's enticed. It's here, kitty, kitty, kitty. It's it's enticed, it's inviting it to act, and it acts first, out of sight, invisibly, in the mind, in the heart. You know exactly what I'm talking about, because this is a well-worn path in my life and your path, and your life, right? Enticement, the desire was enticed, and it's first you disagreed in your mind, you disagreed in your heart, and then when temptation continued, at some point you went, I agree. This will be good for me. God is holding out on me. This isn't so bad. This won't lead to death. Nobody will ever know. I've never thought those things. People tell me about those. No, I've, I've thought all those things. I didn't have to read a book to figure that stuff out. I just look at my own heart and my life and I go, I once disagreed and then I was enticed and then I agreed. And sin, though not yet visible, had begun. Then, here's what Jesus says. If you do uh, not sure you're buying, he says, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery where? In his heart started with enticement, and then it happened in the heart, in the mind, even though it may not have ever happened yet with the individual. It started there. Then it says sin is born, it conceives, and then gives birth It's born when I act upon what I've already in my heart and mind agreed with. My body, my eyes, my hands, my feet, they're not doing things in disagreement with my mind. They're simply becoming instruments with that which my mind has already chosen to agree with. Do you recognize the well-worn path in your life? Is this too theoretical for you? You're like, oh, yeah, there's no grass in this area in my life. It's just all worn down. You you with me? And you're like, yeah, I paved the sidewalk actually there. This is so clear. I act what I've agreed with. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. uh, For the love of money is a root. It's a root, invisible but already there, of all sorts of evil, that some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. In other words, there was an agreement, an enticement, for whether it was maybe security that money could provide. And so then I agreed that money could provide security. I'm going to go after it. And then I go after it in ways that God did not intend or beyond what he intended. Or maybe it wasn't a desire for security. Maybe it was a desire for pleasure. And, and money can allow me to do things that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So then, because that desire gets enticed, and then uh, I agree. It can give me some good things that God can't. See, you see the root, and then it brings forth Actions. And, and where does it always end? And yeah. lust is conceived, began. Gives birth, visible. And when sin is accomplished, it's not begun, it's accomplished. It, 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 it did its intended result. It brought death. The path always, always leads to death. So maybe this will help you, less, less words. Here is the four-step journey of temptation. Enticement, conception, action, death. That's the way it always happens. begins with enticement, my heart, my mind, it conceives. I agree because I agree, I act, and then in my action, It inevitably always takes me where I actually didn't intend to go, I didn't want to go, but it brings forth death. And how do we try to deal with this? How do do we try to deal with temptation in our lives? Well, how we usually try to deal with temptation is to go, well, I, I think I can... Think I can engage, and skip, avoid the circum, the consequences. Right? When, when, if you know the story in the Old Testament, when Potiphar's wife was enticing Joseph, what did what, would she say to him? My husband's at work. Nobody will know. You, you. You can conceive and act because we can do this in a manner that the bill's not going to come due. Every one of us has bought that lie. I can do this and get away with it. I know it's wrong, but, but I can, uh, like the proverb says, I think what the proverb says I can't do, I think I can put fire in my lap and not get burned. And some of us, once we realize that, that just never works. We go, well, (laughs) let me just go undercover. This is the the church people. We're not really godly, but we do our very best to look godly. And we we say things like, oh, if you ever knew what was going on in my heart and my mind. Or in my, this is where, secret sin just thrives. Because I just don't want what's really true about what I've agreed with and what I've, presumed. I just don't want it to be known. Because if it was known, that would bring terrible shame. I hope what you're capturing is we usually try to work in dealing with temptation in our lives. So we try and work from the bottom up. And the only way we can deal, really deal with temptation in our life is right here. When enticement is happening before conception takes place. Now, I'm not saying once it's conceived, then, well, it's too bad. Let the wall go. Just let it roll. I'm not, say, I'm not saying. Any, we, The Lord would invite us to repent at every point. But if we're going to deal with temptation, we don't work from the bottom up. We go, I have to deal with it in the time of enticement. When desire, even legitimate desire, is just being flamed with oxygen To burn where it's not intended to be burned, or to burn out of control. It's it's just giving it oxygen. So, here's what I love about the text. It doesn't just give us the predictable path. It gives us how to win. So, give your attention back, if you would, to the text, back to verse 16. 13, 14, 15, give us the source and the predictable path. 16, 17, 18, give us hope. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It's like James liked the song. Or maybe it happened the other way. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. You may not... See it clearly. I hope that I can unpack it in a way you go, wow, these verses give us great hope for interrupting this predictable path that continues to lead to death. The first, what did he say? Don't be deceived. So I want to teach us three statements that we would learn to say. First, that we would learn to say when desire is being enticed, this is a trap. This is a trap. Now, I was told after... Uh, Thursday night service by a bunch of Star Wars folks. Oh, that's a great line. That's straight from Star Wars. I was like, yeah, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> this is a trap. Meaning what? All temptation is a deception. That's why it starts with, don't be deceived. All temptation is a lie. And the trap is this. It's going to deliver something <laughs> different than what it promised ever noticed that in your life? That sin delivered the opposite of what it promised. If it was the truth, hey, would you like some death? Would you like to destroy your family? Would you like to ruin your reputation and career? And you go, no. No, it's a lie. It's, it's, It's promising something. Opposite of what it's actually going to deliver. So what do we need to learn to say? This is, a, this is a trap. Now, for some of you, you're like, I don't like Star Wars. So come up with something that's more specific to you. Any of you love dessert? Well, you a bunch of liars. There's a lot more people in here who love dessert than just raise their hand. Thank you. No, yes. For, for if you love dessert, specifically if you love chocolate, when the, the next time you are enticed, and I don't mean by chocolate. I mean by like lust or to gossip or to worry or to steal. Cheat, lie. Say something like, that's chocolate covered poison. Seriously, that is chocolate-covered poison. What's the point? It looks good, and it's going to initially taste good, but it's not going to go well. It's going to deliver death. Really, you gotta, that is chocolate-covered poison. Because that's what it is. What is deceiving you is chocolate-covered poison. Poison. And if you're going to win, if, if what we just prayed for at the beginning is, Lord, give me a new path to victory and the well worn path of defeat that's leading to, to wreaking havoc in my life, I need to be able to say, this is a trap or this is chocolate-covered poison. Because I'm a fisherman, if you love to fish, you know, this is a baited hook. Fish do not swim around in the water going, where's a sharp piece of metal I could bite on? They're not trying to floss. What do they think? They think, oh, how convenient. I was, one, I was wanting a worm. There's a worm. And they discover, fishing terms, that's a baited hook. Sometimes, we'll go with this in a moment. Sometimes you know it's a hook and you a baited hook and you bite it anyway. Because uh, I like fishing. I'm going to give you two fishing ones. <laughs> this is a flashing lure. If you're not sure what that means, uh, that's this. And if you can't see that, there's a picture of that. Now, you, uh, I would have thought as a fisherman, that everybody looking at that would understand completely. But I said to one of our staff members last week, uh, if you're a fish, you'd bite that, wouldn't you? And he was like, no. Why would a fish, a fish would never bite that. Mm, There's about 100 redfish that have bit this for me. And you're going, why would they bite that? Why would they bite a, a piece of metal? Because they think... That looks exactly like one of their favorite little minnows that they can ambush and hit. And it's just the other ones didn't have that for a tail. <laughs> didn't have that for a tail. Now, again, I'm, this is not a fishing lesson. But, and I say that because... I was certain the spirit of the Lord had worked greatly on Thursday night because of the people who wanted to talk afterwards, except they all simply wanted to know, hey, what what spoon is that? (laughs) So it's a Johnson spoon. Don't come up and ask me. If you want to go, how do I defeat sin in my life? I'd love to talk. This is a Johnson spoon. And I'm telling you, uh, where I live, Fruit Cove, most effective bait. So It's a flashing orb. And that's what temptation is. Where we gotta fight it, between enticement and conception. Before we before we go after it, I need to go. That's a flashing lure. That's a baited hook. That's a trap. That's chocolate-covered poison right there. If that's too much fishing for you, here's for the hunters. That's a decoy bringing me into shooting range. For duck, have you ever duck hunted? You put out some decoys, and innocent ducks are flying over, and they go, "Oh, look, friends." (laughs) What's temptation? What's temptation? A lie. Those aren't friends. Those are fakes, and what they see is the fake, and they don't see the shotgun. It's a trap. That's what temptation is in your life. It's a trap. It's promising you something different than what it's going to deliver. So you're going to continue to swoop down. You're going to continue to chase after it until you learn to say, That's a trap. That's a decoy. That's a baited hook. Now, I know half of you are like, uh, you have lost us here. We, we don't track with any of that. So I ask a woman. Here's what she told me. That's a face cream that will take my money but leave me wrinkled. <laughs> now, I've, now the rest of you are like, oh, now I get it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you bought it. It's in your, it was like, I put it on my face. and I, I still look the same. Just poor. I'm just poor. That's all I am. Poor. (laughs) Now you go. That's silly. No, that's exactly what some of you should say the next time you're tempted. (laughs) That's a face cream that's going to take my money and leave me wrinkled. It's a trap. If you love baseball... That's a curveball that's going to make me swing and miss. It looks so fat coming at you. And so you swing with all your might and then it dropped. It just went out of the strike zone. You were so sure. And then you were walking to the bench. Right? Now, all I'm trying to, some of you are like, I don't get any of these. Well, make one up yourself. That's, that's, that's the best I got right there. But you need to learn to say something if you're going to change the predictable pattern in your life. So say something that's real to you, that communicates this is a lie. This is promising something different than what it's going to deliver. Make it up. Make it real. Make it personal. And say it to yourself a thousand times. Seriously. I'm not trying to be cute. Don't be deceived. So name it for what it is. Because you know what it is but you're not saying what it is. And so you just keep going after it. You know it. Name it. Say it. Declare it. And whatever expression that communicates, life is promised, death is coming. He says next, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't be be deceived. Don't go for the trap. And remember this. If it's from God... It's good. If it's not from God, yeah, that's right. It, it's not good. Does God withhold any good thing from you? Does he? Oh. This is so much the well-worn path. This is, if you want an interesting study this week, go back and read Genesis 3 and go, wow, this is exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. They bought the lie, and the lie was there was something good available that God that didn't come from God. There is no such thing. There is no such thing called there's something good that doesn't come from God. So I gotta say, in whatever language makes sense to me, it's a trap, and then second, I gotta tell myself. What the truth is. This is the truth I need to know when I'm being tempted. That if it's not from God, it's not good. It seems like it would be good. The world might tell me it's good. I might lie to myself and tell me it's good. No, it's going to be good. No, if it's not from God, it's not good. And if it goes beyond what God says is good, it's not good. I don't know if you can imagine yourself telling yourself Saying these things. Not just thinking them, saying these. But this is the path to lead to a new destination instead of the well-worn to death. I want to learn to walk on a path of life? Learn to go, that's a trap. <laughs> because if it was from God, it'd be good. And he said, it's not. So it's not. If it's from God, it's not from him. It's not good. If it is from God, it is good. And then third, and this might be the one least obvious, but I think most significant. Verse 18. Least obvious, most significant. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. What's that mean? It's simply saying that it is by his will that we went from dead in our sin, separated from God. It was by his will that we were made alive with him. It is by his will and by the truth that we have moved from being deserving of God's wrath to children of God. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth from death into life by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. All that's saying is this, that that he took you from death to life in order that now as you live, you would reflect him, that that you would reveal him, That, that if he is life, that you would reflect a life of the fruit of life, not of the fruit of death, that you would reveal him as one who walks in truth, who walks in purity who speaks the truth, tells the truth, who honors life, who honors marriage. Why? Because that's who he is. That's what he reflects. And he saved us. He brought us from death to life so that we would walk in life. And in walking in life, reflect him. First fruits as his creatures. So, what's going to happen today, multiple times, tomorrow? Desire is going to be enticed. What am I going to say? This is a a trap. (laughs) Because if it was from God, it'd be good. And so it's not from God, therefore it's not good. I'm not going now. It's a trap. God said he would give me good. Next step. That, that path is contrary to who he has made me to be. It's contrary to my identity in Christ as one who is to be a first fruit as his creature. See, huge difference in my life, maybe this will help you, huge difference in my life when I could move from, I did something wrong to I lived contrary to who I had been made in Christ. That's who I that's who I used to be. I used to be a person who was a slave to my desires, but I'm not a slave to my desire anymore. I am I'm a child of God. Remember this? Forgiven and set free from sin. The Spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God. Through me, our identity statement. Let me say it again. I'm a child of God, forgiven and set free from slavery to sin. The spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God through me. And so when my desire to, to be outside of God's will or to go beyond God's will is enticed, I not only say this is a trap and if it was from God, it would be good. And if it's not from, it's not good. I, I most importantly say, and that's not who I am any longer. Christ now lives in me so that the life and the work of God would be exercised through me so that when people would experience you, they wouldn't experience a liar or a cheater, a jealous person, a vengeful person, a bitter person, because none of that is reflective of who God is. And I have been... Made alive to be a first fruit, to reflect his character. So not just no, because that would be wrong. Not just no, because, oh, that's a trap and it's going to lead to death. No, because that is not who I am. See, if if this is too difficult for you, Then simply say, this is a trap. This is not who I am any longer. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. New things have come. Doesn't happen just like that. But there is a, a predictable new path that we're intended to walk. This is a trap. That's not who I am in. I am now in Christ. I am to be a reflection of his character. It's not the way I speak anymore. This is why in Corinth, a city where the Apostle Paul went and planted a church, it was a city like you and I would think of present-day Vegas. It was a city known for its immorality. They had a temple there with a thousand prostitutes available for hire. And that was what the city was known for. A temple For prostitutes. And so when Paul goes there, shares the gospel, and people are born again, now they are new people in Christ who have this long pattern of sinfully exercising their God given sexual desire. And so they're not changing. He writes them. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? You say, wow, that is like, If that doesn't make you cringe, it ought to make you cringe. And it's intended to make you cringe. Cringe! It's intended to help you see just this lack of just horrible incongruity of Christ is in me, but I'm acting like I'm still who I used to be. And by doing so, a person with whom Christ dwells is engaging with a prostitute. May it never be. All he's simply saying is, beyond it's a trap, it's bringing death, not life. Beyond if it's good, God would give it. So if God's not it, it's not good. Beyond all that he's gone, it doesn't add up to who you are any longer. This is not who I am. Could you begin to say that in the area that you continually lose in that you would maybe for the first time of a thousand times in the coming weeks say, this is a trap. It's not good because God's not giving it. And this is not who I am any longer. I want to learn to live according to who I am. See, in you is life. And in you is the longing to walk in life. I know it. And you hate the fact that in you is life and you continue to walk in death. And you don't need to. The Spirit of God lives in you. You are not only forgiven, you are set free from slavery. Sin. So, the, so when Paul writes the Galatians, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. In other words, they, they put it to death. Why do they put it to death? Because it's a trap, and it's not good because it's not from God, and it's not consistent with who they are. But I never really got this. Well, maybe it's easy for you. Here's what helped me. I, I was studying this text more than a year ago, and I asked myself, for some reason, why'd they crucify? Because the word crucified, why'd they crucify Jesus? Why, why did the Jewish leaders have such zeal to get him arrested and get the Romans to kill him? why did they crucify Jesus? Yes, because he was a threat to their life. That's what he represented. He represented a threat to them. And a light bulb went off for me. When am I going to crucify the flesh? When? When I finally get it into this thick head of mine. (laughs) That's a threat to life. I'm not killing something awesome. I'm not like sacrificing for Jesus by not doing what he said I'm not supposed to do. I'm finally seeing it for what it really is a threat. And not just a threat, say it stronger, a death threat. This is not this is not too strong, this is not over dramatic. Enticements to sin will fail to conceive, because that's when it happens. It'll fail to conceive when I begin to rightly see them as death threats. Death threats. This is not and suddenly what happens? Enticement loses its glitter. The lore is not flashy, it's just a rusty, oh wow, look at that hook. It's a death threat. I'm not enticed. I'm not carried away. I do crucify because it's a death threat to me. And the power of saying no is the new identity that I have in Christ. So let me invite uh, the men to come forward and pass the elements for our Lord's Supper. And I'm inviting them to pass and wanting us to take the Lord's Supper because these are the elements that remind us These are, these are unfamiliar to you. Let me explain first. This is simply an un, a piece of unleavened cracker that's been broken up. This is simply grape juice. These are symbols that Jesus said that we are to use and to take in remembrance of what he has done for us on the cross. Here's the symbol. This one right here. Reflection of the body of Christ that is broken for us. That he who knew no sin became sin. This right here. The cup is a reminder of the blood that he gave. So that our sin could be forgiven. When we trust in Jesus. We are trusting in the one who took the penalty that we deserve and took it upon himself. So that we could not continue to have to walk in death, but to walk in life. So let me invite you to bow with me, even as guys are passing And if you have been listening very specifically with a particular sin in mind, would you, not with hesitation, but with great gratitude for what Christ has done on the cross for you, would you confess it? I know it might feel like yet again, but would you confess it to him? This time, with a greater clarity. Lord I confess it because it's not who you made me to be. You made me to walk in truth. You made me to walk in purity. Thank him that by the kind intention of his will that you have been, through faith, born again. We are grateful for the power of the cross that gives us victory over the penalty of sin, victory over the power of sin I would be hopeless without your goodness I would be desperate without your love slave to the darkness if it was for the cross cause you have won me with your kindness you chased me down when I was lost where would I be if it was wasn't for the cross we'd be dead in our sin and a slave to it but because and only because of Jesus and by faith in him we're not a slave to sin any longer and we're alive this is why the scripture says consider yourselves if you're a child of God consider yourselves to be dead to sin But alive to God in Christ Jesus. And as you've received Him, walk in Him. So, with gratitude that you're free, that you are a prisoner no longer, let's take in gratitude. Let's stand and worship the One who has taken our shame. of sin has been overcome and so as we go and as we're tempted let's remember that's not who we are it's a trap it's not from God it's not good we can do that Um, so let's go let's be the first fruits let's walk in uh, his strength and his goodness as we go and if we can pray for you in any way we have men and women available to pray with you individually if there's a certain temptation or something you're struggling with you just want someone to pray with you about it Please um, please go see right between the two auditoriums, we have men and women who are available and ready and really be their honor to pray with you. I Hope you'll do that. God bless, see you next time.